Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are discussing Halloween books, which, Anne, I feel like you could just take it away. <laughs> well... I, I mean, I could, but why would I? Because you have you have come around so much on how like I was I was looking at our schedule of of books we've talked about. And pretty early on, we talked we did a Halloween episode, like like within our first 10 episodes, I want to say just, oh, just did from, we? I think so. I mean, we started the podcast in May. So maybe not quite that quickly, but it was not too far into into us uh, doing the right, podcast. Right. And that if you remember that was when you just stepped out essentially and we had a guest oh right um, we had had Tracy um our uh, former coworker and friend current friend former coworker she loved horror so much and you and I said we have to do something for halloween this is this can't be something we just ignore and you're so uh not wanting to do it cuz you hated horror so much and, and anything scary and so Tracy just said yeah, I'll do it. I love it. And so, um, and now you, you actually have picks and things. And I'm so proud of you for coming, coming around. I, but it's interesting as we were preparing for this episode, or I was picking my books for this episode, my horror experience was very much tied to being on a committee where I had to read horror. Right. And I think it opened my eyes to the fact that there are certain kinds of horror I like, but I still don't gravitate towards picking it up. And right. so when I was looking to see what my options were for what to talk about today, the true scary books, I, I don't read. I don't, the, the actual, any sort of supernatural horror, gory horror, I, I just absolutely still choose not to read. So mm-hmm. I, I do like my picks for today, and I think I have a nice variety of books to talk about. But it, it's just not my natural inclination to pick up horror, I don't mm-hmm. think, still. Even though I can recognize that there is some that I like, but it would be a situation where I would want somebody either their personal recommendation that it's a book that I might like, or I would need to read enough reviews to indicate it's a book that I would like to read. I'm not just generally like something like romance or more mainstream fiction or thrillers. Like I'll tend to just think, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll pick that up. And I still Mm -hmm. don't have that tendency with with horror. I feel like you're interest I guess in horror or, or what what you enjoy in horror is a lighter version of what I like because because mm-hmm. I because I love gothic horror is is my biggest thing but I love ghosts and so mm-hmm. so I'll go for it uh, probably a heavier handed version of that mm-hmm. but I think we're still on kind of the same wavelength of what we we like because the books that you've told me that were like specifically I know you're talking about one of them today mm-hmm. but the the book that sort of made you realize what right. what you could like in horror mm-hmm. I, I was like oh yeah that's have you thought this whole time that I've I've been loving like like people burning each other's faces off <laughs> like no, no, like it no. was and so it was I, it was nice to see that you could realize the or see the range of of horror right. as well Right. Well, I think it's just like any genre, really. If you don't read it, you don't quite realize all the different varieties that make up a genre. So I would just be like science fiction or fantasy or romance for that matter. You know, I just read a lot of romance. But I think that if you don't read it, you don't have a certain idea of what it is and and you don't realize all the facets of it. But even still, uh, and again, I don't want to preempt what I'm going to talk about when I talk about my, my picks, but there is... I think a lot of people associate Halloween with horror, but there are plenty of other books that I think fall into the category of a Halloween type book that are not scary, that are not Halloween or that are not horror, excuse me. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like that there are some more cozy yeah, yeah. reads about witches or ghosts or whatever it might be. And that that still to me falls into the, the Halloween category. And right, just right. the book that I read or I talked about last episode unmaking of june pharaoh that to me is a halloween book because there's a little bit of magic to it there's supernatural ish tinge to it uh but it's not scary in any any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. so i like that i like that there are multiple ways you can Mm -hmm. approach what is a halloween book to read right right and i think that that's i don't know that i would go so far as to say that that horror is the genre that has the widest Mm -hmm. range of what will bring people in but i think it could arguably be because there's 
there are so many people mm-hmm. that say they don't like horror, but then you say, well, do you like Hocus Pocus? And they're all, oh, I love it. And that's that's still a Halloween associated thing. And so so I, I think that there's there's all kinds of, it accepts all kinds. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, should we go ahead and get started with our book picks? Or did you have any other thoughts about Halloween you wanted to share? Um, that it's the greatest. And that's basically it. And I can't wait for it. <laughs> All right, do you dress up for Halloween? Uh, I do for work. I don't care so much. The costume is the least of my interests with, with all the things that go along with Halloween. It's usually an afterthought for me versus the big driving factor that it seems to be for a lot of people. But I think it's fun. I just am always like, oh, yeah, this is a costume holiday. Huh. <laughs> so what is it about Halloween that you like? Because a lot of the people that I know love Halloween because of the what you just said, the dressing up part of it. So what about it do you like? I love the aesthetic, probably, of mm-hmm. gothic stuff, I think is, is a lot of what it comes down to. Um, I love the darkness of it. I don't know what the how to exactly describe that, because it's, it's not as though I go full body horror or, or things like that, but... Um, every time I see something that's a Halloween image of like, here's a, here's a haunted path, like something can be cartoony and I still get this like shiver of excitement that runs down my spine. And it's almost Mm -hmm. a physical feeling of excitement because it's, because it just sparks my brain so much. And so, um, and one time it really backfired on me. I, I was looking at something like that where it was just some goofy, uh, image that I saw on Facebook that was of a kind of wooded path that had jack-lanterns along it and then some just sort of spooky figure in the background and I just had this like shiver of excitement and I posted something on Facebook about how uh, to my friends who don't enjoy Halloween how do you what don't you like about it and how are we friends and I was I was trying to be just kind of dumb and facetious and goofy and then I got all these uh, responses back of of my friends who have had horrible things happen to them on Halloween and the reasons that they don't like it. And I, I was like, yeah, all of my posts are meant to be me kind of being dumb, but this, this really backfired. So, <laughs> so I fully appreciate that for other people. I mean, I think it's kind of the same, the same feeling that lots of people have with Christmas, which I also adore Christmas, but I don't, it doesn't rise to the level of, of just wanting to live in that feeling and live mm-hmm. in, in this like, like atmosphere of it and so mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that i love i love gothic stuff i love the the visual visuals of gothic things so much that then this is just an extra like you can have this all month long okay this is this is <laughs> even better so <laughs> Yeah. But thank you. That helps me understand because I love Christmas. So I guess that I understand. I understand your perspective. Yeah. I do have a correction, though, from last week. And so before I talk, I will say that. So I'm a big dummy. And I said that Bleeding Heart Yard by Ellie Griffiths was the second book in the um, in the uh, what what is her first name? Um, I'm not remembering her first name, but but the it's the it's Inspector Carr, but I can't remember what her first name is right now. and I said that that Bleeding Heart Yard was the second book. It is not. It is Postscript Murders that is the second book. And as I was doing the show notes, I thought, oh, of course, I'm <laughs> such a, an idiot. So apologies to anyone who was sitting there uh, laughing at me during that discussion. So uh, anyway, moving on, my first book is Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. And I picked this because I actually think this is a great pick for readers who don't want very much scary in their horror and want it to be more of a a sense of unease and dread versus jump scares. So this would definitely fit into a literary horror um, category. And I've I've talked before recently about how literary horror is having such a huge moment right now. And this book deals a lot more with character and relationships than it does with with scares. Um, When we talk about horror as librarians, we categorize it as an emotion genre. And this doesn't have as much of that as I would normally recommend for horror readers, but it still is is definitely there and is it exists in more of the the way that that families and and generations of trauma sort of weigh on people. And so 
I think this is a, a great pick for literary readers, but also for for uh, horror readers that, that are kind of trying to expand what they think of as as horror. So this is about a young Cree woman named Mackenzie, and she works as a cashier at Whole Foods in Vancouver, and she basically is just existing. Um, she left her hometown in Alberta after her grandmother died, and then a few, I, I'm not sure how long... Uh, after she leaves this happens but her eventually her sister sabrina suddenly dies and she feels so much disconnect from the family that she doesn't go back for the funeral and has really just cut herself off from the, her family and her tribe and she's just working and then goes home to her drab apartment and and is just uh, disconnected in every way possible but the only really vivid piece of her life comes from strange dreams that haunt her at night. And she they're often full of crows. And she also has started to see crows gathering in her real life as she's moving around the city. And they seem to just be following her around. Um, some of her dreams also incorporate something that happened when she was younger, where she and Sabrina and their other sister Tracy and one of their cousins went camping at a lake near their hometown and something bad happened that we we don't know at the beginning of the book. So one night she or, or one morning she wakes up and finds a severed crow's head in her hands and then eventually it disappears. And she knows because of this that she is going to have to go home and deal with her grief of what happened um, to her. Um, what happened to her family and also these these dreams that she's having um, but the thing that to me was the creepiest is that she starts to get text messages that claim to be from Sabrina and they are so creepy they're so unsettling and weird and so the, that's what really stuck in my out in my head as being this this like very delicious horror feeling that that I think most people would associate with with horror. So the the relationships that Tracy and uh, Mackenzie has with Tracy and the other members of their family are handled really beautifully. We see a lot of books that are using uh, horror as a metaphor for grief. Um, that's a very, very, very common theme in horror. And that seems to usually, when I see it, isolate the main character. And this one, it actually brings Mackenzie closer to her family and so it's a lot about growing in strength as as a family and as community as they're um, coming together to fight an evil that has been preying on them for generations so um so I thought that was really well done the dream sequences actually feel like dreams feel which I think is really hard to do um and they're very unsettling and I I just think this is this was a really interesting book mm -hmm. nothing is going to be really terrifying it's just more atmosphere rather mm -hmm. than jump scares so um it also has one of my favorite covers of the year so um if anything just look at that because it's beautiful and that is bad cree by jessica johns well now i have to look up what the cover looks like and see it's so it's all stark and trees i like it <laughs> <laughs> all right so my first one is the silent companions by laura purcell and this is the one that you referred to as being the one that kind of mm -hmm. opened my eyes to the fact that there are books in the horror genre that I like. In fact, I talked about it as one of my favorite books of 2019, mm -hmm. which it's been long enough now that I feel like I can talk about it again because that's been For sure. four years. feels like enough of a buffer. So the, it, part of the reason I am very fond of this book is because where I used to work, we had a lot of people that loved to read horror. I think in general, librarians really like horror. I, I don't know why that is, but I do think that there are a lot of librarians in the world who enjoy reading horror. And so I was kind of the odd one out because I didn't. But I read this for that committee that you are still on and that I was on. We've talked about plenty of times. And I thought it was so good. And so I recommended it to some of my coworkers and it ended up kind of making the rounds around the office. All these people read it and really loved it. And so I was so proud of myself that I was able to recommend <laughs> a horror book that nobody had, they hadn't even, I don't, I don't know that they hadn't heard of it, but they certainly, it wasn't on their radar really to read. Mm -hmm. And so I was very proud of the fact that there was a horror novel that I was able to recommend to these big horror fans in my office. So it is about Elsie, who has just gotten married and is newly pregnant, and then her husband dies. So she is now a widowed woman, and she travels with her cousin to her late husband's estate, which I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, she's never been there. So this is the first time she is visiting, and the idea is that she will spend her pregnancy there. And she gets there, 
and it's clear that the estate is kind of neglected, it's in disrepair. There are staff members who work there who seem pretty distrustful of Elsie and kind of distant from her, and so she's not getting the warm and fuzzy feelings as she arrives at this house where she's going to now live uh, for the foreseeable future. And the first night she is there, she hears a strange noise, and she goes to investigate what it might be, and she discovers this wooden figure. And the way the book describes it, and these are a real thing, and if you want your dreams to be affected, go Google what these are. They're like a combination of almost like a statue or a wooden doll and then a painting but they're they're very realistic looking and it's just kind of creepy it almost feels like a wooden version of a real person and so as the days go by so she's already kind of creeped out because she's heard the sound and then she discovers this doll thing and then as the days go by she sees more and more of these dolls and they they resemble people that she knows in real life or has known in real life. And so she starts getting really concerned about what these things are, why they keep appearing in the house, if they're sending a message to her. And as the reader, you start to wonder, are these is this real what she's seeing and what she's interpreting these dolls as being? Or is this all in her head? Like, is she kind of slowly going crazy in this house because of the isolation and and her situation. So it's so good because so much of it is left to your imagination. As you're reading, it's just this sense of dread of what is happening? What are these dolls? And it's it all the atmosphere is so creepy and and you feel like this sense of desolation almost because she's out in the middle of nowhere. For a scaredy cat like me, I've talked about this plenty of times, so I get so easily scared. This was a perfect amount of creepiness where it didn't edge over into true scared. I was worried that a wooden doll was going to appear in my house, right? <laughs> Whereas there are other books where you kind of incorporate them into your brain and start worrying I think you said last time something about your fear is that somebody is going to be in your house. Yeah. And it's not that kind of scary. It's just sort of like while you're reading the book, it's super creepy. But yeah. when you put the book down, it's you can go about your normal life. So that is The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. I still have never gotten to that one. And I, I just think it sounds so amazing. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, next is one of my favorite childhood books. And I can't believe I've never talked about it before. So I'm super, super stoked to talk about this. It's uh, Overdue by Richie Tankersley Cusick. And this is horror in the vein of Christopher Pike or R.L. Stein, but the not the Goosebumps R.L. Stein, the Fear Street R.L. Stein. And I checked these three authors' books out just in piles when I was like 12 to 14, probably. And they are teen, teen horror that could sometimes be supernatural they could sometimes be a person that's that's uh playing tricks and Uh scaring the girl who is um who's the the main character they always involve a girl wearing kind of peg jeans and keds on the cover that's (laughs) just a common theme oh my gosh i adored them and i would say that richie richie tankersley kusick was my favorite because she seemed to always focus on my favorite topic. So there, there's one that's set in a mall called The Mall. And it is uh, a Phantom of the Opera kind of plot. And then there was another one called Silent Stalker that was set in a um, like a Renaissance fair. And there's a, cre- a creepy castle replica that's involved in it. And so it was just like, oh, what's the next one? Uh, this is, this is, I have this whole set of books that, that, focus on each of my teenage obsessions and in all these ways it was so great but my favorite of course was overdue because it was set in a library so um it's about a 17 year old girl named kathleen and she works at the local library but hates it because the librarian miss finch is mean and the library is old and this was in the early 90s before everyone liked old things so so she just doesn't want to be there so 
somehow she is left in charge of the library when Miss Finch goes to a conference. And that's even worse for Kathleen because it's spring break. And of course, the library is the worst place or the last place that, that Kathleen wants to be. So one night she's there and she's checking in books that have come in at the book drop. And she sees a pile of returns that that comes in, you know, all all on their own and they are all about death and there are pages that are bookmarked and to like disturbing things and there's a note left with the books that say uh or the book the note says horrors await you beware so kathleen is very unsettled by this and it kind of tries to shake it off but she tells some friends about it and how much it scared her but then she wishes she hadn't because terrible things start to happen to her and her friends and she realizes as they're as she starts to kind of accumulate these these bad things that they all have some connection to classic literature so so at one point one of the things for example that happens is that she wakes up to a fire in her house and there's a copy of Dante's Inferno that's found at the scene so it's that kind of thing um so she has to figure out who is targeting her and why these things are happening along with which of the two cute boys that have suddenly come into her life, which of them sh- they're, they're helping her. And she, and she has to decide, are they people she can trust or um, should she be more wary of them? And also which one of them she wants to kiss. That's very important of her trying to figure out. And I just, this was the best book. I loved it <laughs> so, so, so much. Um, when I'm finished with this committee that I am on uh, next year, this will be a Halloween project for me to do a full Richie T- Richie Tinkersley Cusick uh, reread because they're so they bring back such good memories. Um, they're very very goofy, as I clearly hopefully uh, indicated, but all also they all have like legit scares in them. I remember reading rereading uh, this as. I think I was in grad school probably and thinking this still holds up as being as being pretty spooky and pretty pretty creepy. So um I just think they're a delight. So that is Overdue by Richie Tankersley Cusick. I used to love Christopher Pike when I was younger. Uh, really? But yeah, I know, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I was a much braver person than I used to see <laughs> scary movies too. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever heard of this author. I might have to I feel like she was kind of kind of a level below like R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike seem to be the two, mm-hmm. the two biggies of that, uh, and there were tons of others. But she was she was more established than a lot of the more one-off authors that I that I read during that mm-hmm. period. But but yeah, never never seemed to get as as much attention as those mm-hmm. two. But but definitely deserved it, and was definitely the favorite of young, uh, young and very like <laughs> academically minded but also very teenage Ancox. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it to our attention today. You're welcome. <laughs> so my next book is The Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez-Gilliland. And this is the book I referred to earlier that I, I wanted to make sure to talk about one of these more cozy Halloween reads mm-hmm. because I think there's so many lists and people talking about the scarier ones. So I wanted to make sure to include one that is a little bit cozier. This is a romance novel, actually, and it doesn't take place at Halloween, but as I describe it, I hope you understand why I consider consider it a Halloween read. It is about a woman named Sage, who is one of three sisters, uh, although her youngest sister passed away a few years before the start of the of the book. And even though she has passed away, she's still very much a presence in the book because her ghost haunts Sage and nobody else can see her. But Sage, especially when she gets upset, when she is sad or starts crying, even if it's not about her sister, that's when she sees uh, her younger sister, Skye. Sage has moved back to her small hometown after losing a job she really, really loved. She had pursued jewelry making almost as a hobby, but then it turned into a career opportunity because she was able to sell her jewelry and she got a teaching position to teach other people how to make jewelry and she just absolutely loved it but unfortunately she lost her job and so she has come back to her hometown and is offered what she considers a temporary position at the local nursery the plant nursery because she as well as her sisters all have some sort of special ability and Sage's special ability is that she can basically understand plants like she has a special Hmm. connection uh, to plant life and 
in this new job, she decides to take it because she needs the money and what else is she going to do while she's back in her hometown. In this new job, she is thrown together with the guy who she had a huge crush on in high school. His name is Tennessee. And she and Tennessee actually have a bit of a secret past because when they were in high school, they were pen pals through AOL Instant Messenger. But the, (laughs) I know, but the secret part is that she knew that she was communicating with Tennessee, but Tennessee did not know he was communicating with her. He, she was uh, kind of an anonymous person that he was communicating with. And clearly something happened that broke Sage's heart back when they had this communication going on. And so she has a lot of mixed emotions about seeing him again. And she wants to keep her heart guarded from being broken again by him. And of course, he doesn't know that they have this past. So he doesn't quite understand why she is keeping him at arm's length. It's a really lovely book because you have, it's definitely a romance. I wouldn't I wouldn't classify it as something other than a romance. But you have a lot of story about Sage's relationship with her sisters and and some family dynamics that have played out before and then during the book. And you have you have a a large amount of, ten, of attention paid to Sage's grief and trying to mend some of the relationships that were really really broken before the start of the book. So that's a good combination for me. I've talked plenty of times about, you know, I love romance, fluffy romances that are super light, but I do like the stories that have a bit of that emotional depth to them as well. This one had struck that balance really well and also has this magical realism, which makes it kind of fun, this this aspect that Sage understands plants. And I, I'm a very literal person, so sometimes magical realism doesn't doesn't hit for me but in this case it in the context of the story it makes a lot of sense plus the magical realism aspect fits the cultural heritage of the characters so it, I don't know it just all fit together really really well for me so that's The Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez Gilliland I have not heard of that one that one sounds very interesting yeah it's good it, it's again it feels Halloween because of the they're not witches, so I don't really know why it's called Witch of Wild Things, but they, there is this magical magical element to it, so I think it's a good, if you, if you don't like the scary stuff, it's, it's a good Halloween read for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's still kind of magical piece of, of the this time of year. Yeah. Um, okay, my last pick is Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo, and this is a mix of horror and Southern Gothic and dark academia, and those are all things I like very much, so <laughs> so I like this book. Uh, it's about um, a um, young man named Andrew, and when he was growing up, he was inseparable with a friend named Eddie, and they're closer than brothers, and they survived something together as children and ever since have felt that something has been following them because of this experience something something not of this world this is this binds them together can't be overstated how close they are so andrew is extremely hurt when eddie's just eddie decides to uh leave their hometown which i can't remember where it is now but he decides to go to vanderbilt for grad school and and andrew feels very left behind but six months later andrew decides that he's also going to go to to nashville and is getting ready to leave but just before um he's he's set to depart he receives word that eddie has committed suicide and and of course andrew is is understandably devastated and he just can't believe that eddie would do this and he decides he's still going to go to Nashville and decide what or, or and figure out what actually happened to Eddie. So when he gets there, he learns that he has inherited Eddie's house and his roommate Riley. And uh, he doesn't want these things. He just wants Eddie to be back. But he decides that he's going to stay and try to figure out what what happened. So he starts. Um, he he's accepted to Vanderbilt and he starts to basically pick up. Eddie's research and Eddie was was looking into some kind of occult uh, occurrences and it it's just it's something that that uh, Andrew doesn't know very much about and is, is curious of why this is something Eddie was interested in and he is working with professors that that Eddie was working with and is and grows closer to them and has sort of uh, developing relationship with those professors and uh 
he and all of this is just to figure out what what could have driven Eddie to suicide but also just still doesn't believe that so as he's he's learning more he he figures out that there's another side to Eddie that he knew nothing about and it's very involved with drugs and with street um like drag racing and so he becomes I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain without giving too much away about this but he he becomes involved with um Eddie's or with sorry with Riley the the roommate's cousin Sam who is part of this street racing group and at first seems to be the very definition of toxic toxic masculinity but as they spend more time together it becomes apparent that he and Andrew have a very charged attraction to each other and this is difficult for Andrew to understand because he has considered himself straight and also has to come to terms with what his relationship with Eddie actually was. So somehow wrapped up in all of this, there is also ghost stuff and hauntings. There is an entity with bleeding wrists and this all has to do with, with what happened to Eddie and, and Andrew when they were, young and there are family curses that come into this there is a, like a abandoned house in the woods there there are all kinds of creepy things i realize as i'm describing this that none of the things that i'm using to to describe the book have actually delved into any of the horror side of this <laughs> which is making me feel a little bit bad but i promise it's there partly that's because a lot of this book or, or the to, for me the draw of this book was all of this atmosphere that's that's just seeped into it um, I will say that it feels nothing like Nashville, even though it's set here and I live in Nashville. So I, I didn't find that terribly true to my experience here, but it is very Southern and has this um, Southern Gothic feel of claustrophobia and dread and, and just this, this sense that you can't get away from the past and that it's just following you, uh, following along behind you all the time and that you, it, it's just a part of you and you will never be separated from it. And so I, I thought that was really well done and I very much enjoyed that. Um, it's also, as I was saying before, when I was talking about um, uh, Bad Cree, that horror as a metaphor for grief is is done very, very often. And this is a classic, classic mm-hmm. example of it. But the, I think this is, when it, this is done exceptionally well. Um, sometimes I can think it's just a little heavy handed in, in a lot of horror, but this one I think is... Mm-hmm is really um well done um but i i was hallie and i were joking about this before we started we started recording when i wrote my notes up um we we both read this for the committee that we were on uh the notes that i had said that the real horror of this book is that is that andrew never goes to class and he never keeps his appointments with his professors and so um if you if you want some trauma from your college days that may be following you around as it is for me that is the horror also that you will experience reading this book but um i very much enjoyed this and that is summer suns by lee mandello that part is so stressful of reading that book if for anybody who has been a high achieving student or has those stress dreams about not going to classes oh my gosh yeah (laughs) you just kept wanting to shake him so you just go to class he go just keeps saying just like, be not showing your, up me yeah your mentor your advisor <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> okay my last one is bright young women by jessica knoll and we're only a couple of months before our episode where we talk about our favorite books of the year and i'm pretty sure this is going to end up on my list oh so, wow just to prepare everybody it is set in 1978 at Florida State University in Tallahassee. And it opens with our main character, Pamela, who is the president of her sorority. You can tell right off the bat, she is a very studious, diligent, responsible person. It is a weekend night and all of her sorority sisters are about to go out to go to parties and things. And Pamela stays home because she is working on getting some administrative behind the scenes things happen like getting some things done for the sorority and so she is working on those when all of her friends go out and she falls asleep at her desk and she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's disoriented the way you are when you've been sleeping for a few hours and are woken up abruptly and she knows she has heard something but doesn't know what it is she just knows something woke up and she assumes it was her sorority sisters coming home from parties and their late night shenanigans. So she stumbles out into the hallway 
And the first thing is she's confused because the chandelier that's in their foyer of the sorority house was left on. And that is unusual at that time of day. Usually all of the lights are, are shut off. And so she goes to turn it off and she sees a man running to the front door. And her first thought is that it's her best friend's on-again, off-again boyfriend. But it's basically just a split-second thought. And then she sees the man's face and realizes, oh, no, it's a stranger. <gasps> and then what unfolds in the first pages of this book, and I'm not giving anything away because it really is right at the beginning of the book, it's it's so chaotic. It's And you are just thrust right into the feeling that of disorientation that Pamela has because she's seeing things that don't match what she's expecting to see. So she's seeing friends of hers in the hallway of the sorority house covered in blood. And she's thinking, she tries to make it make sense and it's not making sense. And, and then she goes into her best friend's room and it looks like her best friend is asleep, but there's this terrible smell in the room and she just can't align everything reasonably in her mind. But it becomes clear very quickly that the man that she saw attacked several girls in the sorority house. And in fact, two of them have, will ultimately die from these attacks. So the story then moves between Pamela's perspective, both of that night and then after the crime, and then uh, a few years before to a woman named Ruth, who was a victim of the perpetrator several years before the start of what happens in the book at Florida State University. I found this book so, so good. I mean, I just could not put it down. And it does a lot of really interesting things. First off, it's clear <laughs> that this is based on crimes of Ted Bundy. But the author never names Ted Bundy. She refers to him in other ways. I think at one point towards the very end, the name Ted comes up. But beyond that, he is always referred to in other ways. And my understanding is the reason she does that is because he became so famous as being this very charismatic person, very attractive, very smart. And she is trying to uncover the truth, which is that he wasn't any of those things mm -hmm. and that he was a serial killer and attacked these women. And she's trying to put the focus back on the the women that were affected. And, you know, the titles, Bright Young Women, they had these futures ahead of them that he cut short because of his actions. And so that's something that's really interesting that she does. The other thing I think, she there's this underlying anger about the way women are expected to be nice and women are expected to be friendly and women are expected to do things in a certain way and maybe never get credit for being as smart as they are or as capable as they are. And it's just a very layered book. I think it, there's some commentary about our fascination with crime, true crime, especially right now, and how we view those stories. It's definitely a book that has some difficult parts to read because the mm -hmm. crimes that were committed against these women are horrifying, absolutely horrifying. But I was really left more mad <laughs> about than than scared and or you know just sort of upset about everything it's not a book that i found scary but there are certainly certainly difficult things in there i mean the descriptions of the crimes are in there so just a fair warning if you're wanting to pick this up but i thought it was so well written thought it was so well done i just thought the way the story unfolds is really interesting so that is bright young women by jessica Knoll. makes me want to read it right now <laughs> and it's a book that's a little bit hard to categorize right. because it's not it is a thriller in one way it definitely is suspenseful it keeps you turning the pages but the crime happens right at the beginning and that's unusual for a thriller it's not a mystery you know exactly who's done it so it's it's a little bit hard to categorize exactly what kind of book it is but i think that's part of what makes it special it doesn't feel like other books that I have read. The one I compared it to the most was a book by Ashley Audrain called The Whispers or even The Push, mm -hmm. which I've talked about before, which are more that psychological suspense, tension filled mm -hmm. book that's not that's not truly a thriller. Mm -hmm. Just I've, I've read both of those. I haven't read this one, but but yeah. the way that those books build 
is also a little mm-hmm. bit different from the way that we typically think of uh, what we call adrenaline. Right. And but that's what makes it great because it has this sense of everything. Right. I mean, it sounds like yours starts with with uh, a very intense scene, but but that doesn't mean that it's going to sustain that right I, I love the way those those kinds of books play out okay so that's it for our halloween books we will be right back with what we're reading this week okay Anne, what are you reading this week it's no surprise i'm going to talk about another halloween book yeah <laughs> it's october and i just want to be reading this all, all the time right now um so i am uh reading black sheep by rachel harrison and i'm almost finished with it i almost considered talking about it as one of my picks, but uh, I didn't quite, quite get it done. Um, so I think we've both talked a fair amount about Rachel Harrison in the past. And she, for me, is quickly becoming a must-read author because they're just, they're so much fun. And they're they're all, I mean, they're all horror or thriller kinds of, I, I guess I would say horror on, on all of them, but they're, they just have this tone that's so enjoyable, but, and she takes different things, like different sort of tropes of of horror and and plays with them in really interesting ways so this one is about a 24 year old uh, woman named vesper or, or i think she's 23 actually she's she's about to turn 24 and she works as a waitress and she's very cynical she doesn't have any friends because she's very brusque and sarcastic with with pretty much everyone she comes across and um doesn't have a lot of patience for everyone else's social niceties um she she's just a little bit world world weary sounds sounds more more like she's she's she has like you know uh, the weight of the world on her this she's more just annoyed with everyone Mm -hmm. and so she gets into trouble at the sports bar where she works for being rude to customers all the time but um she realizes that when she's annoyed odd things will happen so she's finally fired because she's being sexually harassed by a customer and somehow the guy ends up with burning nacho cheese all over his face and it just won't stop burning him and that's just a bridge too far for for her boss so she goes home and the day can't get worse for her because she finds an invitation to her cousin's wedding on the family farm and she is she had been super close with this cousin they they were basically sisters and um so this this would be a very joyous occasion in theory but the family farm that that vesper grew up on wasn't um normal it was actually a a religious community that she left when she was just shy of 18 and the man that her cousin is marrying is vesper's ex-boyfriend brody and she considered him her soulmate essentially and he wanted to marry her except she didn't believe in their their religion and she still hung up on him and what happened between them and so this this invitation is also very strange because she knows very very well from growing up um in this in this religious community that no one can ever go back when once you you leave that is extremely clear that this is this is something you never return to so she's not really sure what this invitation means she doesn't know if it's an olive branch to some kind of relationship between them or if this is actually a trap so she decides though she has to go back and um see what's going on she's very nervous isn't the right word she's she's annoyed that she's going to have to see her mother constance who has been um throughout her entire life extremely cold and unloving to her and she is a former horror star and so she's basically extremely self-centered and extremely um beautiful and kind of just this this vixen almost in the way that that horror women tend to be um but she she but vesper has never understood their relationship and she misses the father that she hasn't seen in years but is cut off from because he left the church and she she know you know as i said you can't go back and so so she she sort of idolizes this father so she knows going back is going to mean that she has to confront her own disillusionment with the church and the secrets that her family is keeping on this farm and i can't say anything more that that's all very very like the first handful of chapters of the book this this is what happens but if i say anything else about the book it will reveal too many things and the reveals in this book are so great and 
I, I had a friend recommend this book to me. And when the first thing is revealed, I just sort of sat back and then texted her and said, I cannot believe that this is what's going on in this book. I, it was so much fun. Um, everyone loves a cult book right now. That cult, cults are just very trendy in true crime right now. And so this one to me, this book is just a very, very interesting and smart and unexpected take on the cult book. And I just am really, really loving it. It has this this pretty sardonic tone. It's it's just a little bit, I don't know, there, there's a humor to it. There's there's a sense of, like I said, world weariness, but but in a way that is indicating she doesn't have Vesper doesn't have time for anyone's ridiculousness. And she's she's walking into this the situation where everyone is taking everything very, very seriously and she, she just doesn't want any part of it. And so um, she's a great character. Uh, I, I love it. I want to say more about this, but I love it. It's called uh, Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. I love the Black Sheep title because it takes place on a farm, but it sounds like she's the Black Sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yep. I love a, I love a pun. Mm-hmm. So what I'm reading this week is Meet the Benedettos by Katie Kachugno, I think is how you say her last name. So this is basically if Keeping Up the Kardashians met Pride and Prejudice. What? And I have never watched one minute of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but... What about their new show, The Kardashians? No, I have never watched any television having to do with the Kardashians. But I just feel like you cannot live in the world and not know who the Kardashians (laughs) are. So it's not like you need an extensive background in the family to understand what this book is doing. So it's about... The Benedetto family, whose father created a successful restaurant chain, and then he has five daughters, and the family starred in three seasons of a reality show, and which is now as the reality show is no longer filming, but that is how this family has come by their notoriety, basically. And it is set in LA, and it focuses on Lily, who is the second oldest sister. And Will Darcy, who is a Juilliard-trained actor, who has moved from New York to L.A. and is staying with his friend Charlie Bingley, who is a famous actor known for playing Captain Fantastic in a series of superhero movies. You and I have talked about, Anne, it can be hard to update Pride and Prejudice, or really any of Jade Austen, but particularly Pride and Prejudice, just because so many people know it and there are so many adaptations of it. It can be hard to place it believably in the current day because mm-hmm. the whole premise is that the the girls in the family have to get married. Mm-hmm. And so how do you place that in the, the modern day? But this, to me, about halfway through, it is really working because the family, it's not necessarily that they need to get married, but they need a future. They they're, mm-hmm. They were these reality stars. They're all kind of adrift now the two youngest sisters are social media influencers which is just so perfect and that charlie bingley is an action hero in movies is just perfect the um mr collins is is an independent filmmaker which is so perfect (laughs) so it's just the way she has placed all of these well-known characters that we know and love from pride and prejudice into the current day it's just working really, really well for me. We'll see where it goes again. I'm only halfway through, but it's it's hitting all of those story beats that you know really well from Pride and Prejudice, but it still feels fresh. Like I don't exactly know what, I, I know how it will end, but I don't know exactly how we're going to get there. Um, and I think I've talked about this before. I've started reading almost exclusively on my Kindle at night before I go to bed mm-hmm. because I just find it easier. But what happens is, Sometimes that's the only time I am reading whatever that book is on my Kindle because I have a physical book that I'm reading other times of the day. So you need the right balance of a book that you want to be reading in kind of smaller chunks because some nights I'm only reading for maybe five or ten minutes before I'm fast asleep. Mm -hmm. So it can kind of get dragged out a little bit of... And I've tried a few different books where I sort of lose interest about 30 or 40% in because I've already spent 
five days reading it mm-hmm. or six days reading it. And I think, yeah, I don't really want to continue. But this to me is the perfect kind of book to read <laughs> because I can pick it up and put it down really easily, but I want to be reading it. When I'm going to pick it up, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next and to rejoin these characters in their LA lifestyle. Um, it's definitely, if you read Curtis Sittenfeld's Eligible, mm-hmm. which is also had a reality TV element, I think you'll really like this one. It's not out quite yet. It comes out December 5th. Uh, but that is Meet the Benedettos by Katie Kachubno. Oh, you're making it difficult for me when I have other things I have to be reading right now. I know. I just, I can't resist a Jane Austen adaptation. Same. And this one, this one is a good one. Yeah, so many of them are not. And so it's great to find one that, that actually works. Exactly. All right, well, let's go back and list off all the books we talked about in this episode. Okay, I talked about Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. Overdue by Richie, Ta- Richie Tankersley Cusick, Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo, and what I'm reading this week is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. And I talked about The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell, Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez Gilliland, Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll, and what I'm reading this week is Meet the Benedettos by Katie Catugno. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, or to tell us your favorite Halloween read, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. Thank you all for listening. Happy reading and happy Halloween.